We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala and we seek blessings on the Prophet, may peace be upon him. Okay, so, so thus far we've been looking at, at uh, uh, our relationship with Allah Ta'ala and we spoke last time about different ways to have a connection with him, whether it's by his names, whether it's by hamd of Allah, whether it is by obedience to Allah, meaning ibadah, giving our most extreme love, or seeking help from him. Now, in the middle of all this, we have this ayah where we're speaking of Allah as, as uh, or I mean, we have all these ayahs about rahmah, and consider that we have four direct references to the rahmah of Allah, and then one indirect. Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim, Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim. And then on top of that, he is Rabbil Alameen. He is the nourisher, the guider of all that is in creation, taking everything from, from immaturity to maturity. So the question then becomes, how do we reconcile the fact of suffering if Allah is so merciful? Now, I mean it on the one hand, a little bit from an academic perspective, but then also from a real life perspective. How do we make sense of suffering if Allah is so merciful? So fire away. How would you answer this question? Anyone in, in feel free to speak or to type. If you speak, it'll probably be faster. Or maybe you're all silent because of fasting and you have no energy. Um, well, just from your previous classes, I know that we talked about um, uh, the next life is the equalizer. Okay. That if you leave it up to this life, then it won't be fair. Okay. So part of it is, is absolutely this point that this world is not fair unless we include the day of judgment. What else? How do we explain suffering it's more like a question that if a person is suffering right so does that person is given the strength to suffer okay what does that mean like like uh, like we say that uh, like uh, that uh, uh, that the god has given you ability right it's in you and he will not burden you more than what you have or the ability is given to you right so okay. the, the based on the abilities so this, what, what is the form of the suffering? Suffering can be of many form, right? Mentally or physically or like uh, whatever, like uh, you are completely poor or on the streets or something, something. Uh -huh. Like uh, does the person have the, or the person must have the ability to face all those, these consequences? So part of it is also this, that uh, Allah Ta'ala does not give you any struggle you can't handle, absolutely. Uh, Let's see, uh, Isa, let me know, let us know what you're referring to when you're saying like the Quran, because there's about 6,000 of them to choose from. And then Judy, uh, uh, what do you mean by repudiation? And then another note I received is that suffering is a test and or a blessing. Absolutely. And, and then also Judy, you're mentioning lessons or raising social societal awareness. Sure. All those things. What else? Uh, How do we Allah, make sense of suffering? Allah knows what we do not know. Okay, so explain that. I like how you said it in this dramatic voice, but uh, uh, explain further. <laughs> I guess like 
in an easier set of terms, I guess like there's a reason for everything. Okay. Okay. So so the point is is that uh, the suffering that I'm being hit with is not arbitrary. That would also be that would also be sound. Uh, Isa saying, I think it is what Khurram said that there's an ayah that says, oh, okay. So this is at the end of Al Baqarah that Allah Taala will not give you a burden you cannot handle. Absolutely. So if you're being hit with struggle, you can be sure that you can handle it. Absolutely. And Judy's saying repudiation, getting rid of the sun here to allow access to Jannah. Oh, that's an interesting point. Okay. Uh, I, I feel like you have more to say on this, Judy. So if you can share either type or speak uh, uh, on this point. And Iqbal saying a hardship that you overcome only makes you stronger. Yeah, totally. Yes. No, I, like the societal thing. Um... I had a son that had an educational diagnosis of autism for a while. And I had to come to terms with God doesn't just punish people for the sake of, um, or, or send the, send those kind of trials on people for no reason. Um, it was more of developing an awareness that something's wrong in society and somebody needs to fix it. And, um, we have to elevate the human consciousness in some way related to awareness we have to become aware so that we can fix it so that we can do better because people who know better do better okay that was pretty deep nice mushroom <laughs> and so uh what else but i believe that is from the point of view of the person who is not suffering who are who is watching suffering right okay uh, like bystanders or like like what we are uh, like uh, learning from the, all the like uh, atrocities, like in Syria or maybe or in Yemen, like and and or somewhere in your neighborhood. So you are watching and and you are able to comprehend. Mm -hmm. um, but from the person who is suffering itself or herself from that standpoint, point, point, from that um, uh, that is uh, that is very not comprehensible easily, I believe. Maybe we can we can uh, we can make some justifications. Like it's still you are you are just rationalizing. Maybe. Well, I, I would think that um, if, if if for example, in the case of Judy, she's speaking about her own child. So as okay. a parent, she's definitely experienced. Yeah, that is uh, that right. is different. Yeah. Yeah, but there is an important point also that uh, uh, there is the suffering that is being witnessed versus the suffering that is that is being experienced. Yeah. But take it further. Anyone else? How do we make sense of Allah Ta'ala putting suffering upon us? Big or small. And big or small obviously is going to be relative, but if you look at all the darkness in the world, if any of you have seen a recent chaplain letter of mine, I literally say that there is, uh, none of us can really comprehend how much darkness there actually is in the world. The sheer amount of darkness in the world is beyond comprehension. In your thoughts? It's interesting. You, you, two days ago, you were all the, at the active class. Okay, yeah, Faria. Yeah. So, um, um, just in my perspective and my personal experience, I'm sorry if I cut off because I'm driving. Okay, um, well, you're like safe, right? Yeah. I'm safe. I'm safe. I live in Texas. This is very normal, unfortunately. Um, but um, I think that sometimes we're suffering in the moment, but in hindsight, in my personal experience, it's always ended up being a blessing okay. um, later on in time. If okay. that makes sense. 
Yeah, absolutely. It makes a lot of sense. Uh, if you want to share, uh, when you were in the moment of suffering, however, did it feel like a blessing? Um, to me, it did not, but to, but to those around me, it did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, fair enough. Any other thoughts? Yeah. yeah. This is Salman. How are you? Yes. Yeah. So, uh, for me, uh, looking from... Uh, 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 Salman, um, are you able to get closer to the microphone? I'm having trouble hearing it. Okay. Can you hear me now? Uh, sort of. Yeah. Okay. Let me see if the volume is down. No, no. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, sort of. Or, or speak, and then if I have more trouble hearing it, then I'll comment. Can you hear me now better? Same. Same. Same? Okay. Uh, what I'm trying to say is, uh, to be honest with you, the suffering, my experience is when you are going through suffering, it just does not make sense. Uh, it doesn't matter what anybody is telling me that it is a blessing or it is a great thing that uh, Allah is uh, having a mercy on you uh, and that he did not give you a, a bigger uh, suffering. But when we are going through the suffering, it really does not make sense. Everything just does not make sense. Later mm-hmm. on, yes, but not when you are going through. Yeah, this is this is sort of the point that I'm trying to get to, that if we're being honest, uh, uh, for most of us, not all of us, but for most of us, when you're in the suffering, it's literally suffering, meaning you don't want to be in it. And you might even be getting upset about it, whether you feel frustrated, whether you feel angry, whether you feel sad, whether you feel abandoned, uh, whether you feel you're getting squeezed and and so so on the one hand we have the academic analysis of suffering which is all the points that that uh, that that we're making and even more which includes the fact that you know this this world is not fair and then on top of that that uh and uh sarah buji mentioned that suffering is designed to bring us closer to allah absolutely and on top of that, you know, we have the, the notion that, okay, if I, it's hard for me to appreciate good unless I have bad. So it's hard for me to appreciate ease unless I have hardship, right? And so all of that is also correct as well. And likewise, suffering does, can make you stronger. It can also make you weaker, but can, it can make you stronger. And so, so the point I'd like you all to consider is that in much of the practice of Islam in our world today, there's this separation between what we teach and what we actually feel. What we teach is often the should, and what we actually feel is the is. And this is often a split, you know, we would sometimes call it the, the, the ought versus the is or the idealism versus the realism. But the point here is that much of the teaching that we do of Islam is, is a bunch of really nice statements, a really nice, a bunch of really nice academic statements. Uh, because uh, if I truly believe that, okay, for example, you know, this world is not fair and I'm hit with suffering, should I be, should I be disturbed? No. Uh, or, you know, uh, the very important point that Sarah Abuji is mentioning that uh, 
uh, if I truly believe that, okay, this suffering is bringing me closer to Allah, then I should be happy. And so a point I'd like you to consider is when you are in the suffering, how do you actually truly feel? Because more often than not, we forget all of those wonderful, nice things that we say about how the world operates and such. And so what I'm suggesting for our consideration is that when we're speaking of Islam through the lens of what you're supposed to do, what you're not supposed to do, right? That's what I've been saying is the default approach we have to Islam. Then what we're doing is we're basically looking at, okay, what type of emotional reaction am I allowed to have to my suffering? Okay, maybe I can be sad because the prophet cried, but I can't get much more sadder than that. And I'm suggesting that that is actually emotionally dishonest. That when you're hit with a suffering, especially a big suffering, which for you is a big suffering, maybe for someone else is something small, maybe for a third person it's gigantic, but for you it's a big suffering. You might be feeling anger at Allah. You might be feeling frustration. Why is this happening? You might be feeling disappointment. You might want to blame somebody. Okay. And what I'm suggesting is that a lot of the reason that a lot of our Islam is dishonest is because we're not being honest with ourselves about our feelings. We're not being honest with ourselves about our sentiments. Because the approach we're taking is we're trying to look at the Dean through the lens of relationships. And what's most important is your relationship with Allah and we have this teaching that if you don't know yourself, you're not going to know Allah, which means if you're not being honest with yourself about your feelings, you're not going to be honest with yourself about, about who Allah is to you. Make sense? The problem is when you all nod. Okay. And I think 100% of the time I've ever asked the question, does this make sense in my 20 years of teaching or whatever, you know, people have always nodded. Yes, it makes sense. So I'll just pretend like it actually does make sense. I have a question. Yes. Um, so I guess we're speaking about struggle in the sense that, you know, it eventually goes away or dissipates. Well, what about people who are in like a really bleak situation? So like victims of human or sex trafficking or mm -hmm. victims of domestic violence where like that doesn't go away. Yeah, uh, I would include. So right now I'm not distinguishing between uh, struggles that go away or that we, we hope will go away. I'm basically saying any struggle that we're in. One of the first steps is for us to be honest with ourselves about how we're feeling. And in the domestic violence example is a good example because we have, you know, this, this case of, of the domestic wife syndrome or the battered wife syndrome, which is what, where the wife starts uh, rationalizing why her husband is behaving that way. And in her mind or in her uh, heart, she's coping with the situation. But someone else is looking and saying, okay, you're, you're just, you're, you're, being dishonest with yourself and you're going to get yourself hurt more and more and more. And that I'm suggesting is literally how the Ummah is operating. It's literally a type of domestic wife's, a battered wife syndrome. So, uh, Neil, you're about to say something. Yeah. So what you're talking about sounds to me like um, when we do that, it is actually a disconnect with ourselves. percent. That's exactly what I'm saying. So if I'm going through suffering and I truly honestly believe all the suffering I'm being hit with is a type of mercy from Allah, 
That's one thing. And I would suggest that's less than 0.000001% of the Ummah. But a whole lot of us will say, okay, you know, Allah is only giving me what I can handle and I can handle this. And, and so I'll give you a scenario. You go through a family tragedy. And I'll give you a real world scenario that some of you have heard from me before, but I have multiple examples of the same type of story. Uh, a devout, devout Muslim man, his, his daughter dies in a car accident and his approach to, to coping with it is, is to really think that, okay, Allah doesn't give me anything I can't handle. And so this is a test of my faith. And so I need to just persevere through this. Okay. And what has happened in the process is that he never actually grieves. Now, grief is not having an event, you know, where you're mourning what you've lost. Grief is the process or the process of processing what you've just gone through. And then this same man started becoming ultra-militant to the point that he started writing letters to the White House saying, I no longer follow your rules. Um, Started writing letters to the FBI. I don't follow any of your rules anymore. I only follow the rules of Allah. Even applied for for a gun, and and such, and went down this road that I think he's still sort of on. Uh, Fifteen years later, because he did not actually grieve through the process of losing his daughter. And so, what I'm saying is that uh, if you are not being honest with your emotional needs then you're committing violence against yourself. And that is what I'm suggesting, the state of the entire ummah. That our approach to the deen, the way we're teaching and learning the deen, I've been saying thus far has been a focus on law, 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 do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this. One of the consequences I'm suggesting today is so before I said one of the consequences is that we missed the whole focus, which is on your relationships, how you conduct yourself with people, how you conduct yourself with the law, how you conduct yourself with yourself. And a deeper consequence of this is this personal dishonesty with how life works, how to navigate life, which as Neilfer said, it's essentially a disconnect from our real self. I guess what you're saying is, can you hear me? Yes, please go for it. We'll see. Yeah, I guess you're saying that we should not burden ourselves beyond our capacities. Like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has done it out of mercy. We should be merciful to ourselves. So, so exactly. And so what I'm saying, part of the mercy to yourself is to acknowledge to yourself, how do you actually feel? Right. Our weaknesses and we should seek help and guidance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely all of those. Yeah. But, and so what I'm asking, like, so for example, is it okay to be angry at Allah? If we look through a fiqhi type lens, most people say, no, no, you can't be angry at Allah. He's the creator and, and so forth and so on. But I'm saying uh, most of us in this room probably know that feeling. I think you could have a relationship. and uh, It depends on what kind of relationship you have. Uh, explain further. Uh, you, you can complain to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And, uh, you know, but you see, again, uh, the adab would be the key. Mm-hmm. 
and you you can ask for explanation you you may not understand what's happening and what is happening to you and what is in for you so you could you know uh, uh, the uh, most of the prophets they have they, uh, the prophet said that i always only complain to you oh my lord mm-hmm. and nobody else mm-hmm. when he was leaving taif and that oh, was no. his plea right so if you don't understand something you can, you can complain to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and ask for is uh, you know guidance and explanation mm-hmm. or whatever he can make it uh, you know visible to you that what's in it for you so so this is part of the key point that i'm making that yes you can complain to allah taala those prayers are often the most sincere prayers right right when you're going through struggle and you're upset and you're and you're frustrated or you're feeling like you're being abandoned and then you are speaking to Allah in those moments those are often the most sincere moments like we usually have two types of duas right one dua is the daily dua please give me this please take care of 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 this right and you should keep doing those and then those duas in the moment that this is what i'm really feeling in my heart exactly exactly so it's going to be much more sincere yeah so we should, we should we should open our hearts out to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because he already knows it but we mm-hmm. should say it so that we can you know release our burden mm-hmm. yeah this is exactly what i'm saying wonderful thank you and i think there's a difference between or at least a nuance in language between um being upset about a circumstance mm-hmm. and being upset with allah yeah uh, i agree with you but please explain further oh explain further um well when i was going through the thing with my son um you know yeah of course i'm upset and i cried a lot and i had to come to terms with this could be permanent this could be you know a lifelong thing so what am i going to do with this burden mm-hmm. i mean being upset long term with allah wasn't going to serve me in any productive way mm-hmm. but being unhappy with the circumstance and potentially that someone caused it or something or some societal thing caused it um you know it it leads you to action to do something absolutely yeah and so so what i'm specifically focusing on uh is that we be honest with ourselves about those initial feelings and that is what we often are dishonest with ourselves about so those feelings um are oftentimes grieving right so yes. if you're suffering you have to feel that grief just like you were saying for healing And I think you really have to feel that suffering. You have to feel that grief and feel how bad it is and be honest with yourself and with God about how terrible it is and that is what will bring you closer to Allah. Like after you have, you know, right because you you've learned what's in your heart and therefore you will be closer to Allah. Mm-hmm. So it's not we should do this. We should get closer to Allah. No, you will naturally become closer to Allah because you will say this is terrible you mm-hmm. are the only one that can save me from this mm-hmm. not you should say that you will say that naturally right yeah that's exactly and it that's- and, and to give examples in life of the prophet peace be upon him one is the example of Wasim gave where you know he's gotten clobbered by the people at Taif you know by the kids whipping stones at him and then he's saying to Allah am i doing something wrong here you know are you upset with me and i'm complaining to you of my struggle. And so here the prophet is saying this. And another example is think about how many years after the death, the death of Khadija the prophet is still missing her. Right to the point that he's missing her so much that Aisha 
is even saying that she's jealous of Khadija by how much the Prophet is, is speaking about her and how much he's missing her, right? Because we often give the example uh, correctly of the Prophet with, with his son Ibrahim, that his son dies as a child, as a toddler, and he's at his grave and tears are coming out of his eyes. And the companions are asking, why are you crying? You know, he's going to go straight to paradise. And he says that this is a rahmah. And so what I'm suggesting for all of you to consider is that all of your emotions are actually a rahmah. It's something different if you then use your emotions as a path to destruction or self-destruction. That's a different issue. But the fact of your emotions, that's a rahmah, that's a release. And you may be releasing through tears, it may be through anger, it may be through frustration and such. And then in Shallow's example, then you go back to Allah with this. And so whether you're experiencing fear or hatred or whatever, you go back to Allah and those prayers will often be much more sincere. And so what I'm suggesting uh, at one level, the challenge is to actually focus on the relationship aspect of the deen. How do we conduct ourselves with Allah? How do we conduct ourselves with the Prophet, peace be upon him, and so forth and so on? And then within that, what is ne fundamentally necessary is to be honest with ourselves. Because if you're not being honest with yourself, then you're not going to be honest with anyone, especially with your own relationship with Allah. And you create this alternate version of yourself, which is this pious face as opposed to the real version of you. Make sense? Everyone's going to nod. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, let's go. Yeah, and so Wasim is giving us an example of shikva. Uh, yeah, shikva, Javabi shikva is, is an example of this. And when Iqbal's poem came out, uh, shikva, Javabi shikva is two poems. One is called The Complaint, and the other is The Answer to the Complaint. And so he writes this whole poem that's a complaint to God, and people are shocked. How can you write a complaint to God? You know, this is, this is Allah, and so forth and so on. And uh, uh, Iqbal, were you just about to say something? Yeah, I just want to add one more thing regarding the it's the very same issue has been discussed in the very first ayah of Surah Mujadila. Uh, uh, explain the, further. Uh, regarding the, the ayah goes that certainly uh, has Allah heard the speech of the one who argue with you, O Muhammad, concerning her husband and directs her complaint to Allah. So this is like in the old, old I think, Jahiliya practice was that if a husband dies, then I mean, there, there is some story behind it, but there is again a complaint about a woman that she will be now, uh, I don't know, forgot the, the practice. Sure. But she's also complaining about Allah, 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 Allah mm -hmm. funding her. So, so yours is a really good example. So Surah Mujadila is literally named Mujadila, the woman who complained. And at no point is she being criticized for complaining. Right, she has a whole surah now uh, uh, dictated on her honor, and and so this is a woman in Makki society, which uh, uh, we often speak of the whole of, of the life of the of the era of the Prophet peace on as being patriarchal, but the Meccan situation, as you all know, is super patriarchal, and and here we have a woman who's complaining and Allah is hearing the complaint he's acknowledging it and he's respecting it to the point that it is now part of the Quran so that's a really good example so having said that new homework assignment for those of you who are doing the homework assignments so Neil first like I need the homework assignment so I can give them to my students so the uh, 
uh, on a regular basis, on a daily basis, look back at the last 20, last 24 hours and pick five moments and identify your true feelings in those five moments. You can pick whichever moments you want, but identify for yourself, how did you truly feel? And an unfair and, and an incorrect answer is, I don't know. Because if your answer is, I don't know, that means you actually did feel something and now you really got to figure out what it is. The second is a modification of the gratitude assignment for whoever wants to do it. At least one of those five daily items has to be something you don't like. So as it is, the list is five things you should be grateful for. One of those things has to be something that is actually a struggle for you or irritates you or something. And watch what happens to your attitude or feeling towards that thing. You will start developing a feeling of empowerment. You know, so there's people in my world that are constant sources of nuisance and irritation in my world, right? And they're frequently in my gratitude list. It almost wipes away the sentiment. Okay. So having said that, any questions about anything? Okay, we will stop right here. Inshallah, uh, can I repeat the first assignment? The first assignment is look back at the last 24 hours and identify five moments in your feelings in those moments. And yeah, Judy is correct because there's more than 100 uh, emotions. Yeah. And so this is part the, the purpose of this exercise is to help get more in touch with how are you actually feeling about things. As we get very used to a routine of feelings, most of which is not to pay attention. Cool. All right, inshallah. Uh, if there are no other questions, we will stop right here. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu illa ilaha illa anta. Nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu illa ilaha illa anta. Nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Subhanakallahumma glory to you, O Allah. Wa bihamdika praise and gratitude are to you. Nashadu illa ilaha illa anta. We bear witness there is no God but you. Nastaghfiruka wa seek your forgiveness. Wa natubu ilayk and we turn to you. Okay. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. See you tomorrow, inshallah.